Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. I think the most I've ever spent was like maybe, was maybe 150 it's a decent amount. It's Wes. And how much was the transaction that you had to pay her when the date was over? Wow. That's wow. an amazing insult. And Walker. It just makes me feel good. I can't get a woman out of the bed, but I can get my co-host or that's my right. show host out of the bed. That's I think right. you can get a woman in the bed, Fiddy. It's not about getting them out right now. Shut the hell up. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. <laughs> Definite inside joke. Oh, yeah. That's too, that's too much. The Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming. The text line is rolling. 704-570-9610. Reaction to my fire fizzle for the NFL uniforms. Jackson says it's an hour early. He must not have had enough time to think it over. I actually did. I was well prepared. You heard the information I presented there. So, uh, yeah, man, Jackson, I just uh, hate the Eagles. And they're starting to become my most hated team in the NFL. Uh, Let's see. Paul says, speaking of Jets throwbacks a few months ago, this is a long text. This is a lot. So I'm guessing he he likes them a lot. I'm not going to read all that. (laughs) Panther Bo said, uh, it wasn't biased. It was authentic. Great fizzle. That's what's up, Panther Bo. I appreciate that, man. Then the bagel guy uh, also says, Wes, what about the Dolphins throwbacks, Giants with the old school Giants written across the helmet? Yeah, both of those are straight fire. Okay, let's go with that one. Should be Texans throwbacks says another number. And then 704-517 number says uh, Fly Eagles. So, you know, I knew I was going to get that one. So people are going to talk a lot of trash. Uh, Playmaker Baker says you hate them because your team can't beat them. I mean, that's what sports is all about, right? <laughs> you know, you hate who you hate, you love who you love. And now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. Listen, man, I got to give up some love. You know, we got a lot of great local players that are doing their thing in college football. But I got to call out my man, Kevin Casey Concepcion. We talked about him earlier, but straight out of Chambers High School, which used to be Vance High School, which is my alma mater. He went off against NC State, five catches for 83 yards, two touchdowns. He's got six touchdowns on the season. Also had 51 yards on two attempts, led NC State in rushing. He accounted for 66.3% of NC State's offensive yardage and both of their touchdowns in that win. And for that... He got the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Week. He's definitely a contender for Freshman of the Year. He leads all freshmen in catches, yards, and receiving touchdowns. That young man is doing his thing. Also, quick shout-out to James Pierce from Chambers, one of the top 10 or 15, I think, in sacks. He's got seven of those on the season, but he is balling. And we know NC State has a little bit of a receiver tradition. We talked about one of them during Fire Fizzle, Corn Robinson, that was a monster out of South Point High School. Tory Holt, the list goes on and on. Do we think that Kevin KC Concepcion is the next great NC State wide receiver? Yeah, next great was always the conversation. Could he be great or was he just going to be good enough to be the number one guy on a team that doesn't have as much skill talent as they used to? But he played well catching 
a couple of touchdowns. How about a couple carries for 51 yards and a big win against Clemson? He's certainly on that track right now. Going to have to play well against Miami if NC State wants to continue this run. Just get bowl eligibility over with. Go ahead and secure that, even if you do expect them to get to a bowl game this year. Just how well are they going to be able to finish the season? I, I do believe that what we're seeing from Kevin Concepcion, I do think that because of his production, you're starting to see NC State play a lot better and help MJ Morris fill in that void that they had at QB when Brendan Armstrong was playing. No doubt about it. And this is a kid, too. You know, the, the quarterback play has been up and down and you feel like maybe the numbers would have been increased had they had better quarterback play but yeah I think he is but the thing you have to worry about and I want to hear this from the text line as well 704-570-9610 when you have great players that emerge as freshmen and you're not a quote-unquote powerhouse program how much do you worry about being able to keep these guys with the money that's going around for NIL we know that you can't transfer more than once because you got to sit out so once you get a kid to that second school they've got to stay there unless they want to sit out but for NC State, you got to be a little bit worried with a kid like that. I mean, hell, if Dabo decides to get into the portal, you could have competition right in your own conference as far as Clemson going after this kid to try and get him. But uh, he's balling out for the Wolfpack right now. But I just want to know from fans, how much do you worry about young players that have yet to transfer and your team's not necessarily a powerhouse? How much do you worry about them uh, going to another school? Do you think that's a real threat for NC State that they could lose this young man uh, when the season ends? Yeah, I think anything's on the table. Mm -hmm. I, I, especially within conference transfer portal moving the way that it is. We've already seen it in football. It's weird to see not only you getting the offensive coordinator from a former ACC foe with NC State getting Robert and I, but then they go out and they get their quarterback in Brennan Armstrong, and we thought, okay, maybe this is going to launch something like we saw in Charlottesville just a couple of years ago. We're seeing it in basketball, too. I, we talked about it with Brad uh, Brownell. When we talked with uh, uh, him at ACC Media Day, having a couple of in-conference transfers going to that basketball program, I think what happens is you play these opponents, you get to see them up close, and those are going to be the names at the top of your head when it, you start to go into the portal and you say, wait, those guys are pretty talented. I like them. I, they hurt us. We might as well go get them. Very Bill Belichickian if you mm -hmm. were going after Wes Welker because he beat up on you when he played for the Dolphins, something like that. Yeah, I do think that in-conference transfer portal, the way that it's moving, it's absolutely a thing that you got to worry about. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so we'll see what happens with this young man. But for now, he is balling out. He's definitely going to be a freshman All-American and all the accolades that will come with that. And now as we turn the page to Western Carolina, man, we've been championing this team and they have been moving up the ranks, but then they've been moving down with the loss last week. And then six turnovers. Caused them to lose to Mercer. They lose 45-38. to 38. Cole Gonzalez, who's been leading a high-powered offense, he did have five touchdown passes, a career high. But he also had three interceptions, including a pick six. Then they had three out of their four fumbles. They lost. Two of those came on kickoff returns. Man, how frustrating is it when you have special teams fumbles? And then, like I said, Mercer scored on three of Western Carolina's giveaways. They look to stop their two-game slide as they travel to Wofford, who has yet to get a win on the season 0-8.
and 0-5 in the Southern Conference. And they will kick that off at Gibbs Stadium at 3 p.m. on Saturday. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, they've got Wofford, East Tennessee State, and VMI before they head into the FCS playoffs. And how worried should Western fans be? Are they going to be backing in to the playoffs when this thing is all said and done? Yeah, it, it's just unfortunate because I did want to see Western Carolina continue to their winning ways. And you see them go on that five-game winning streak. And now they have games against Wofford, East Tennessee State, and VMI. Yeah, I mean, it could come all crashing down for them, especially because you lost in a couple different ways. You only scored 17 points against Furman, and then you had all those turnovers. But you do end up with 38 points against Mercer. So that are they going to be able to get back on track, even if they are heading away from their home turf? And so it's going to be tough, Wes. I don't know if you think that Western can bounce back, but it certainly has been pretty the last two weeks. Uh, I think they will just because they have such a great offense. Obviously, though, turnovers are not ideal, and that's not news to anyone. Uh, But this team, you don't want to be backing into the playoffs. They dropped four spots in the FCS coaches poll. They're now down to 20th. Obviously, I think they'll get the win against Wofford. They'll take out all of their frustrations. But also, too, for a team that's coming onto the scene and starting to uh, find itself a bit when you talk about a program that's been in the doldrums and then they're able to emerge and turn into a team uh, that's a real problem and start to get their first sniff of the rankings. I think this is kind of par for the course. They're not used to these huge games. They play two back-to-back big-time games, and I think for you know programs that are still young and winning young and becoming nationally ranked, I think you're going to see some of this. So hopefully they learn from it. They take these experiences into the playoffs and know what not to do so that they can be successful. But then another program that may not see some postseason play The South Carolina Gamecocks, they're having a tough go of things right now. Losing record, four games left on the slate. Jacksonville State, you think they get a win there. Vanderbilt looks like that's going to be a battle. And then Kentucky and Clemson in the rivalry game at the end of the season. Let's hear from Shane Beamer first before we chime in on the future of the Gamecocks. Today they were telling me that Hunter, my son, has a Halloween parade at his school where all the kids at his school, they dress up in their Halloween costumes and they walk around the track for however many minutes and the parents come and they video and all that. And I was there for it last year. Uh, because it was on a Monday, and my wife was telling me that he had that today, and I said, well, why Why didn't you guys tell me anything about it? Um, and Emily said, well, I knew you had practice and meetings, so I didn't think you were going to be able to come. And then my Hunter, my son, said, and it's also because you're two and six, and you need to be in the office working. <laughs> Kids say the darndest things, don't they? I mean, that is hilarious that his son said, you need to be in there working. And so South Carolina sitting at 1-5, and 2-6. and six. I don't see a bowl game in their future right now. It's looking bleak. They would have to win out, and I just don't see this football team having the consistency. It's not their year. But, man, his son was definitely cold on him. Well, so <laughs> we had this conversation uh, a couple weeks back. I think it was before we went into either the Florida game or the Missouri game, and it was all about the pressure that Shane Beamer has surrounding him. And so if you look at South Carolina, having lost to Missouri 34-12, to having lost to Texas A&M, both on the road, both talented football teams, losing to Texas A&M 30-17, to they finished with Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and Clemson. They're going to have to win out in order to be bowl eligible. You're hoping that they at least get to four wins in the next two weeks, and then the real test comes against Kentucky and Clemson to end the year. Man, do you think a rally 
could happen for South Carolina to win out and get to a bowl game and then save a little bit of that pressure surrounding Shane Beamer? Like, we know Clemson isn't great. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, they're not ranked now. We know that they've got talent. They are they are five and three with three straight losses, but two of them are to Georgia and to Tennessee, the other one to Missouri. That's going to be the one. But, Wes, I, I do think it's possible for them to actually win these last four games and go bowling. That's the secret sauce to me is that Kentucky game. And then you have to prove are you not the worst team in the SEC because when you and Vanderbilt play, that's going to be the toilet bowl, essentially, when you talk about <laughs> one win in the SEC between these two teams. It can be done. They get Vanderbilt at home. They get Kentucky at home and Clemson at home. So they've got four consecutive home games to make a bowl. It would be phenomenal if they're able to do it. I just feel like, man, when you're a football team with that kind of record, there's a reason why you've got that record. And you're going to find a way to slip up and lose one of these games that's going to knock you out. Is it good for South Carolina or bad that – Kentucky will have just faced Alabama the week before and Louisville the week after. Is it good to have a couple of tough opponents on either side of that South Carolina matchup? Yeah, because like I said, you get your pound of flesh taken away from Alabama, and then you can have a potential trap game where they're looking over you for the next matchup. So yeah, maybe it could work out for the Gamecocks after all. Could happen. And Spencer Rattler also not throwing for as many yards the last couple games. 300 a few games back, but even he started when we had the conversation of him having one of the more successful seasons despite the team not being successful around him he's come back down to earth and can playing like he was a, a few uh not even a few games back but just last year when you had that middle stretch of him not putting up big numbers yeah they're having a tough time blocking people up front texas yeah. and m boy they had a big time struggle holding up those uh those dogs that they got up there so when we come back on the wesson walker show we're going to talk about protecting bryce young how can they do that better on sports radio 927 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. getting shamed for not having seen a couple of movies today. It happened during the break and it actually happened on Locked on Hornets. It happened <laughs> on the text line. It's just one of those days that I can't escape any of the shade from people clowning me for having not seen a couple of movies. Earlier, Typical whack-ass Walker. <laughs> I don't like that sounder as much. I like other sounders a little better than that one. But I have not seen Days of Thunder. And that was brought up earlier today on the podcast. And there are people, despite me having grown up in Catawba County, Days of Thunder is something you would have expected me to have seen in my life, and I never saw it. And so I got shamed for having not seen it. And in fact, it it continued when I said, wait, we can just talk about Talladega Nights instead. Ricky Bobby 
is my NASCAR movie icon more so than Cole Trickle. And I just wanted to see some head spin, and so that happened earlier. But also it's happening again during the break because I know you guys will – maybe we can do a flash, but I'll actually just give it its airtime right now. <laughs> you guys are excited about something new happening happening in the Marvel Universe. What, yeah. what is this Marvel Universe release <laughs> that Fiddy got excited about on my Twitter DM? And Wes was also excited about Yeah, no doubt about it, man. It's going to be the return of Iron Man and Black Widow to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, man. This is huge. Now, I looked at it two ways. I said, for one, this is great as a fan, but for another reason, I feel like Marvel absolutely made this move in desperation. They have not. They've been flopping left and right, and uh, and it says that they're considering bringing them back, but they said that they could easily explain it through the multiverse concept. And I think it's a move that needs to be done because they know that the uh, the Marvels that's getting ready to come out, they know that's going to flop. And it could be a good movie. I mean, the first one was decent. I did go see it. And I may go see this one. But they know it's probably not going to do well. They're desperate. This second phase of Marvel is not doing great. And so they're going to need to call the OGs back in to boost it back up again. All right, Fiddy, you told me to watch every single Marvel movie in a 24-hour period when you sent this in my DM yesterday. I did not do that. I'm here to tell you that I instead watched really three quarters of the Hornets game because the Bally Sports app wouldn't let me watch the first whatever 20 minutes it was. But is this something that you're excited for? Oh, Let's wow. Go. Okay. I, Let's okay. go. I mean, I mean, how could you not be excited for this? And I was trying to do you a favor, Walker, because I saw the script for last night's Hornets game. I knew Houston was going to start 11 to 14 from the field. The game be over <laughs> in the middle of the first quarter. Hey, I, you reveal that. I am taking back the bet. <laughs> if you saw the script and you knew how the season was going to go, then it's void. But, yeah, no, this is I, – I, I almost called my mama to tell her the good news because she's been very disappointed in Marvel – Ever since she saw her Iron, her man Iron Man uh, die in Avengers Endgame, I, I joked in our video that she actually threatened to kill me uh, whenever she watched him die during the Endgame movie. So, hell yeah, man. They're the ones that made the universe what it was and made Endgame what it was. It just hasn't been the same ever since. So if they're coming back, we should all assemble and go to the movies together. No doubt about it. I'm with that 100%. Let's you're, go, man. You were ready for that, honestly. I Let's do go. feel heroic right now. <laughs> the ambiance was set by Fiddy. Who know? Who knew that he could set such a sophisticated ambiance surrounding the Marvel Universe? All right, so I have not seen those movies. You know what movie I have seen, though? What Bri- have you seen? Bryce playing quarterback from his backside. Because mm. the offensive line hadn't been very good this What's year. What's that Russ? rated? It's rated X. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should say that or R, but it's it's not for children to watch how bad the offensive line has been because Bryce Young has been running for his life back there quite a bit. So if you look at left tackle, we know Iki Aquanu has regressed this season, and that's unfortunate. But also, some people will tell you that sacks are a QB stat more so than it is an offensive line stat. How much of these sacks are on Bryce Young for not getting the football out of his hands quickly enough? Well, it always depends, man. You have to look at, obviously, we can't sit in the film room with the coaches and know how every little nuance of the play was supposed to go. But he's the seventh most sacked quarterback in the NFL, 22 sacks he's taken. 
But I think a lot of times the most glaring way to be able to tell is if Bryce is just sitting there holding the football sometimes, and especially a quarterback like him, not to say every play he's going to be flawless, but a quarterback like him where you know the processing is really, really good. You either know that, okay, yeah, he may not know what he's doing, but more than likely it's a covered sack. Nobody got open. He had to take it. But when you see some of these sacks where he's barely got time to uh, do anything and he's going down, then, yeah, it's an offensive line issue. And I'm sure that out of the six times that he was sacked on Sunday, maybe one or two of those could have been on him. But And then sometimes the defense just has a good job. You have to give up credit where it's due. Sometimes the defense has a perfect play called. Offenses can have perfect plays called. Sometimes the defense does. But the majority of the time, you know, it, it's on the offensive line. You got to be there to protect. And we saw some of those like the first play when Icky got confused on the stunt and the linebacker came around and got it. The delayed blitzes. Uh, sometimes those delayed blitzes are just gotcha plays. They got you. Like, you know, guys aren't open quick enough. Linebacker comes And so, uh, but yeah, I would just say the majority of sacks on a quarterback are going to be on the offensive line. So I think if you go back and look at the first three games, there were times I was frustrated with Bryce not getting the football out of his hands. I don't know if I've seen that as much as the season has gone on. But also, if you look at 980's text on 704-570-9610, he writes in, watch the JT O'Sullivan QB school on YouTube. It's really good. Lots of times there are hardly any receivers open. I believe we have some audio about that a little bit later on in the show for the live wire. But that that would be the saving grace for Bryce because the offensive line allowing blitzes to get through, allowing pressure to get through, that's one thing, clearly on the offensive line. But also, if Bryce Young is escaping and then trying to find somebody downfield and nobody's getting separation and Bryce doesn't want to throw it in harm's way, then it's also a coverage sack. So sometimes it's, it really compounds an issue. So if you're talking about the receivers not being open, the offensive line not blocking for it, man, think about how much Bryce has to overcome just to complete a good play. (laughs) Okay, so we don't have – it's Adam Thielen? Nope, Adam Thielen's covered this time. I can't get anything from Mingo. Chark ain't running free downfield. Oh, and now I'm on my back because Icky Iquandu blew an assignment. And so that's really tough. Frank Reich talked about this as well. Frank Reich talked about if the sacks fall more on the QB or on the offensive line. Here's what the head coach had to say. I can honestly say that there, you know, it felt like in the game there was one or two. I felt like, uh, get that out. But then as I watched the film, there was nowhere to get it out. The, the one or two times that I thought there, it didn't look like there was anywhere to get it out to. So, um, you know, we collectively have to do a better job of giving him outlets, you know, when it, when it's not there down the field. Um and so that it's all it's all part of it. Like I said, there's no one thing. When you get sacked six times, it's you know maybe one of it's one thing. You got one reason. You got four different reasons in six sacks. So we got to get those cleaned up. I think with this Houston game, I think most of it is the offensive line from what we saw mm-hmm. because he was escaping a lot, and there were so many times where he had to maneuver in the pocket or just outside of it because he couldn't stay where he was or else he was going to be sacked. So Bryce Young, I think, saved and actually saved uh, the offensive line from more sacks given up. And we even saw some of the completions. Chuba Hubbard got ran over by Jalen Peter, and Chuba Hubbard at least was there, but that means pressure's getting by. Jonathan Grenard just teed off against Ike Iquano. You know, there was some inside pressure as well. And so I, I think that's what it was for me watching Bryce Young. 
I do put it more on the offensive line and what we saw. But this is another question. You know, is there anything that you could do to help him out there? Is it just because now we have it with Frank Reich? We saw Bryce Young under uh, under a lot of pressure, and we saw it with Thomas Brown. And while the Texans' defense has been good under D'Amico Ryan's, you would sure hope that your offensive line can protect against that line better than what they did. So what can you do to help Bryce Young out, or is this just inevitable, Wes? Well, you can incorporate different protections. You have your, I don't know what they may call them, but you have slide protections, you got zone protections, you got fan protections, and then, you know, you can roll out, get your quarterback on the move and do things like that, man. But at the end of the day, in the words of Ray Lewis, you got to play football. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, there's going to be enough plays that you're just going to have to line up and say, all right, man, you're not beating me on this rep. You're not getting to my quarterback. And uh, you can try to disguise things as much as you want. But like you said, these coaches, these coordinators, they're so smart. They know things. They know, okay, they're trying to hide what's going on over there on that left side, so we're going to attack it because that's exactly what I felt like the first play of the game was for Carolina. I thought D'Amico Ryans recognized the weakness on that offensive line, and he said, we're going to attack this. And Icky has to understand that people are going to do that until he proves I'm not to be messed with over here. Um, And that's just the bottom line. And so for Carolina, the main thing is just they're just just not strong enough up there. The personnel is just not there. They're 28th right now when you look at PFF in terms of pass block grade as a unit. 48.6 for them as a team uh, in the pass blocking department. And that's just not going to cut it. And it just comes down to, are your guys better than my guys? Because, come on now, Houston, these weren't household names that we were seeing just dominate when you're playing against a vaunted defensive line with guys that you're just worried about. Like that, Grenard is a solid player. Um, but, you know, he just he looked like all-world, like the second coming of LT, Bruce Smith, whichever one you want to pick to say. And uh, that's just an issue that the Panthers are going to have to address. You could try to shuffle some guys around, and I feel like they have, especially on the interior. They've moved the guards. You've seen different combinations of guard this season. They're not going to move. They're not going to swap the tackles, more than likely. They're not going to put Icky on the right and Taylor Moten on the left. Uh, That would be hard to accomplish. So it's just a thing that they're going to have to try to get through it. Talk about trade deadline. Didn't make a move there. Maybe that was something you could try to do. I uh, know the Vikings traded their guard. I forget what his name was. And Ezra I, Cleveland. Yeah, Ezra Cleveland. Some people name, thought that Ezra. maybe you could have done that. But even still, offensive line is a unit, and one guy's not going to come in there and change that. All right, so I've seen a couple of texts here, and you have it on the rundown as well. Is it time to consider moving Iki Aquanu inside? That's I, a da- Well, go ahead. My bad. Oh, no, you finish. Well, it's just it's it's dangerous territory to explore now because – we all felt good about Iki Aquanu being the left tackle this year. We didn't think he was a pro bowler last season, but as a first-year player, Iki played well on the left side. You ultimately draft him at sixth overall because you think he's a left tackle. You don't draft a guard sixth overall when you have a left tackle need. That would be silly. Or else you probably would have taken your chances on Evan Neal or a Charles Cross. You drafted Iki because you think he could protect the blind side. So here we are midway through his second season of NFL football. And now you want to start tinkering with his position. I view it the same way as sitting and starting a young QB. All right, well, he's not ready for this game. We'll sit him out. Now we're going to put a veteran QB in for him. And now you're just bringing him in and out. He can't develop a rhythm, to use a Steve Clifford word. 
and Icky doesn't ever have a chance to be successful at left tackle. But Icky was already somebody that people hypothesize he might be a guard, Wes. Like, that was a part of his college tape. Was he athletic, athletic enough? Did he have enough quickness and footwork to protect on the left side of the line? And so now it's, do we want to mess with that already? I, I reference this conversation a lot. I remember talking with Taylor Moten. Tackle-tackle difference here. It wasn't necessarily Taylor Moten moving inside at guard. But I remember talking with Taylor Moten at Spartanburg a few years back when they were still tinkering with the idea of moving him left side, right side, wherever they wanted to play him. And I asked him, look, you have a solidified position that you are going to play heading into this season. How much more comfortable does that make you feel knowing what you're going to be doing every single Sunday and every rep at practice? He said, hell yeah. I'm a lot more comfortable. Uh, I'm I'm a lot more comfortable now mm-hmm. because I don't have to learn as many different things. I can focus on one position. You can worry about kicking out every single time with your right leg. I don't have to do it with my left leg anymore. I can just do it with my right leg and get into pass protection set on the right side of the line, and I don't have to try to reverse it in my head. Offensive linemen will tell you, yeah, it sounds easy enough. Just do the opposite, but think about practicing it over and over and over again, and now, all right, I got to do the exact opposite for the second half of the season. I I would imagine, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, I would imagine it's easier moving from the outside to the inside. That's not to say that guard is easy by any means. I know it gets nasty the further in the middle that you get, but I would think that would be easier. The problem is I just don't want to mess with Icky's confidence if the future plan is to still have Icky be your future left tackle. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I was on guard when I first got to Florida, and I hated every second of it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay, right. Let me tell you that because, for one, I had lost a good bit of weight, so I was only like 250 playing guard. Oh, they the did you dirty. Team. 250? Well, for one, the cafeteria was so bad, I wasn't eating like I normally would. And <laughs> Florida has one of the worst cafeterias ever. And I talked to people down there still, and they said it's still like that. So I came down there. I left out of high school like 270 and some change. And I went down there and immediately lost weight in that hot sun and the conditioning. And then the food wasn't that great, so I wasn't eating you had a like six crazy. Pack, not, not a six-pack, but uh, yeah, man. And it, it was terrible because it's a different beast you have to deal with. And a lot of these defensive, the interior guys, man, they're freaks too. I mean, they're 320, 330. Dexter Lawrence. I mean, come on. He had more pressures on the interior Sunday than the entire league did. Yeah, it's crazy. The interior defensive line position. No, I saw people so, talking yeah. about it. Might have been the so, most yeah. dominant. So that ain't no easier <laughs> transition when I got to go in there and block somebody 6'5, 6'6, 330 that's athletic as well. But as far as the technique, yeah, you can get your hands on a guy a little bit quicker. But a lot of the same rules still apply. Still got to move your feet. Still got to keep your head out of blocks. When you look at Icky's draft evaluation and his weaknesses, you see it. I'm on uh, from WalterFootball.com. They said raw technique needs development. I've told you at times the technique was off, bending at the waist, reaching after blitzers. Okay, hand placement needs improvement. And that's the thing, man. You see this with him. I told you he stops his feet a lot. You're going to lunge and reach at guys when you stop your feet. And that's one of the biggest problems that he has. And so to answer your question about changing positions, no, I don't think you do that now. He can really, really go to work on this stuff. Obviously, in practice and film sessions, he's going to get coached up. But I said maybe a little bit of a weight loss could help. And he's not a sloppy guy by any sense of the imagination. But maybe 10, 12 pounds off that body can get those feet a little quicker. Um, 
for him. And, and, and I don't think now is the time to move him inside unless it just gets really, really bad. And it's pretty bad now. But unless it just gets to a point where you say, look, this guy just can't cut it. You know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of high draft picks that got moved. Like you remember, I don't know if you remember back in the day, you were a young buck, but uh, Robert Gallery out of Iowa oh, yeah. came out back in the day. Raider, yeah. He was supposed to be the guy. Yeah. And he ended up getting moved to guard. So uh, I think you have to go through this season. And if it just continues to be a real issue where you can see this guy just can't deal with it. And like we said, you know, if you can't deal with a guy like Grenard, that's a solid NFL player, then when you go up against the premium pass rushes, that's going to be something that's going to be at the top of your uh, scouting report, and it's going to be something that's going to make it hard for your offense to be successful over the long term. And I think what people see is a really strong dude that was really good in college in the run game. And so this is what's going to happen. We can hop in the time machine. We can go six months into the future and look at a couple of the conversations we're going to have next offseason. If this play continues, no worse, no better, but this play where he'll give you a few games where he's okay, but he gives up a sack, and there are the bad games like he had against Grenard. If this continues, we're going to have the should they go after another left tackle and move Vicky inside conversation. Yeah. It's going to be pretty prevalent. If we're, if we're to rank the top, if we're to predict the top five storylines next offseason, if everything remains status quo, that's going to be top five. Yeah. With the sixth overall pick, is that the move that this Panthers team should make? And another one is, I, as much as we love James Campen, what, what's going on with the regression? Like, I love James Campen. There are enough smart football people to have told me and you that that guy is one of the best offensive line coaches in all of the NFL. So I'm not going to allow the first half of the season to be enough of a sample size to move me off of what that opinion is. But it's certainly unfortunate that we have one of the best offensive linemen. We have a lot of the same off uh, offensive line coaches. And we have a lot of the same offensive linemen from last year. And it looks so much worse than it did. It looks so much worse. So that's what's frustrating, especially when you have a number one overall pick at quarterback and Bryce Young. Hopefully they can get it fixed. Time now for the second Fitty Flash of the day. Fitty. One last baseball note before we kind of put a bow on the baseball season. The Braves open up as 13-2 to uh, odds to, to favor to win the World Series next year. And reliever Will Smith became the first MLB player ever to win three straight World Series for three different teams, having played for the Braves, the Astros, and now the Rangers. Moving on, college football. There's pressure growing on the Big Ten to punish Michigan for their sign-stealing uh, accusations during the middle of the season. The playoff committee said they weren't going to punish them, but there's there's pressure from inside the Big Ten to punish the Wolverines. Wes, do you think that there's a scenario where Michigan gets disqualified for playing for a national title this year? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I heard some coverage the other day and they were saying the college football playoff committee really isn't giving this story a ton of attention when it comes to figuring this thing out. But, you know, with most things, the more attention that comes on it, the more the pressure 
is put on them from the public and those around it that yeah this could end up being a thing yeah and i did want to bring uh up some some news to uh and to the attention of the listeners here that we got really just about 30 minutes ago some melancholy news for sure jeff goodman great day tar heel plenty of outlets picking this up former unc star walter davis passed away at 69 years old this morning of natural causes while visiting family here in charlotte actually he scored over 1800 points grabbed 670 rebounds, had over 400 assists playing for Dean Smith. Davis won NBA Rookie of the Year honors with the Suns in 1978. The NBA career, too, very good for Walter Davis. Remembered, of course, for being one of the first stars in the Dean Smith era. Hubert Davis's uncle. Ooh, buddy, Walter Davis was a problem back in college, Fiddy. Can you tell me what most prominent shot he made as a Tar Heel? Against Duke. Today's the, I believe, not today, but this year's the 50th anniversary of it. 50 year anniversary of it yeah okay. impressed yeah walter davis iconic r.i.p moment. baby yeah r.i.p to walter davis iconic moment there and iconic player in north carolina basketball we'll move on we'll actually talk with kevin todd of vegasmistake.com coming up next sports radio 92.7 wfnz mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, folks. Glad you are rejoining us or just joining us or whatever the case may be. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Always a big weekend. Tons of sports all the time. Football. You guys out there gambling, spending that Skrilla. And to help you make more Skrilla on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, it's your favorite, Kevin Todd from VegasMistake.com, where they find the mistakes in the Vegas lines to help your pockets get fatter. Kevin, thank you for joining us once again. How are you now? If you remember last time when I was, I was on, I told you to take all your Skrilla and put it on the Eagles against the Dolphins. And they came through. That they did. They came through big time. But let me tell everyone out there, listen up, folks. At VegasMistake.com, we find where the odds makes where the odds makers make the mistake. It's not just in the side. The mistakes can also be made in the totals. What I want to do right now, I'm offering $99 for all new clients to go right to VegasMistake.com. If I don't show them a winning weekend, a Saturday and Sunday, profit in their pocket, I'm going to give them the next week for free. That's how strong we are and how confident we are here at VegasMistake.com. All right, this week, Kevin, tell me about this Iowa State-Kansas matchup. What do you like about that one? 
okay, well, what I, a lot of things I like about this game. I'm taking Iowa State here minus the two-and-a-half points at home for a lot of reasons. First of all, we all watched last week a noon game, Kansas upset Oklahoma at home as a 10-point dog, which was one of our plays that we gave to our our clients. Now they're going on the road to play Iowa State, which they beat them last year at home 14-11, and Iowa State missed three easy field goals. The fact that this is a huge letdown spot for Kansas and a huge revenge spot for Iowa State, let me just tell you right now, Iowa State is 9-2 and two straight up and 7-4 and four against the spread, including 5-0 and oh straight up and 4-1 and one against the spread at home. I like Iowa State. Huge in this spot. Laying the 2.5 with revenge over Kansas in a big letdown. All right, and then staying in the college ranks before we move on to the NFL, is there an ACC game that has caught your eye this week? Listen, if you know about the ACC, everyone's been on Dabo and the Clemson Tigers. I'm telling you right now, I'm calling it on your air. Clemson is going to beat Notre Dame this weekend. Everyone was counting them out. They still have a shot to actually make a bowl game by winning two more. And they're just, if you heard on the radio, everyone wants him his job. They don't, they don't think he's doing a good job. Listen, he's been a great coach for years. The first time he has a bad year, everybody wants to throw him under the bus. I'm telling you, they're going to come to play. Now, if you remember last time they played, they played FSU really tough, and the only time FSU ever had the lead in that game was in overtime when they beat them. That's it. I expect a hard-fought game here for Clemson getting the points. I'll take, I believe the line is four. Is that what you guys got? Yes. I like here taking the four points with Clemson at home. All right, so then in the NFL, Chargers and Jets, that's a matchup you're very excited about, right? Listen, remember how I told you about your skill or skittles, whatever you say, take everything you got, <laughs> <laughs> take everything you got and put it on the Chargers. Let me tell you why. The, the Jets, they are an overrated football team. Everyone always talks about how their defense is. Let me tell you, their defense last week was ranked 25th going into that giant game. It might be 21 after them, only holding that team to minus 7 yards passing or eight, 9 yards passing. And let me tell you, they should have lost the game. They lost it. The, the backup center. They lost the backup to the backup center. They lost four offensive line. Every position on the field, the Chargers are better at. Not only that, we are getting such value here, gentlemen, because the Jets won the game. If the Jets didn't win that game, the Chargers would probably be favorite five or six. Right now, the line is three. It is a gift from God. This is a double-digit win for Chargers. The Jets are 2-9 and nine straight up and ATS in game eight of the season and 0-5 straight up versus teams coming off a win. Let me tell you, would you rather have your money on the Jets with Wilson or your money with Herbert, who has great weapons? This is a gift. Love the Chargers in this matchup. All right. Well, that was Kevin Todd of VegasMistake.com giving you the big matchups this weekend that can make your pockets even bigger. Kevin, we love the time that's come in and talk with us like every week, and we will see you next week. Yes, exactly. Thank you, guys. And let me just tell you, if I don't go have a winning weekend this weekend, folks, I'm going to give you the week, the following week for free. It's $99 for new clients. Go right to my website, VegasMistake.com. Take advantage of the mistakes that Vegas makes that I find. I'm telling you, folks, big weekend in college football. I have four dogs, and I expect all four dogs this weekend to win outright. Thank you, guys, and I'll speak to you next week. All right. 
Kevin Todd bringing the heat right there says the Clemson Tigers are going to get the upset. And you know what? I'm not going to disagree with them wholeheartedly because the week that Dabo has had the fire I heard on that phone call, I could see that translating into a riveting week of practice and a riveting pregame speech for the Tigers to come out fired up. They get Notre Dame at home. Isn't it weird to hear that it was such a far-fetched statement for him to say, I think Clemson's yeah. going to be Notre Dame <laughs> at home, yeah. mind you. I think that's going to happen, but that's the reality. Clemson has been sliding this year. It's what allowed Tyler from Spartanburg to call in to Tiger Calls and tell mm. Dabo how he truly feels. Notre Dame with a couple of wins in a row. They just beat up on USC a couple of weeks back, and then Pittsburgh not pulling off the upset against Notre Dame like they have with some other opponents. Notre Dame's rolling right now. 58-7 to is their last win against the Panthers, but we'll see what they can do against Clemson. All right, well, when we come back, it's time for Live Wire Connect on the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.